Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Khan, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called How to Release as a Bootstrapper, often, early, and safely. Let's get started. We had software is never finished, only abandoned. While this is true, it doesn't tell us anything helpful. So let's rephrase this into something we can act on. Software is never finished, only released. Let's talk about releasing your product and what makes this process special for bootstrap founders. In most cases, technical founders will be able to do cowboy coding, which means that they have full control over the development deployment process. And it also means that reliable systems are not sufficiently established as things are done the way they're done particularly in the beginning phases of a startup. If you want to set up your release process in a future-proof way from the beginning, here's what is most important about releasing your product in a bootstrap business. Release often, release early, and release safely. That way, your engineering and release culture will allow you to be nimble, react to customer feedback quickly, and build a stable infrastructure for the essential asset of your business, your product. Let's talk about releasing often. When I worked for a VC-backed startup at the beginning of my engineering career, we would release expansive feature sets, sometimes months apart at a time. As a result, I would work on many different small features. There was a lot of extra work whenever one developer's code conflicted with another developer's, and the days following release day were full of customers reaching out about problems all at once. You can prevent this by releasing more often. At Feedback Panda, I released almost daily and at least once a week. Whenever a feature was done enough, it would be released. I didn't wait for release day. I just made sure I wouldn't release while most of our customers were using the product, which was a three-hour window I would usually avoid for anything that was not a bug fix. Releasing often prevents horizontal over-engineering. You won't work on too many features at the same time. In the best case, every release is precisely one feature with all of your focus going into getting it right the first time. By releasing at least once a week, you will force yourself to concentrate on the minimal number of things. This focus on single features allows you to build many small things over time, one after the other, and immediately validate if they're useful or not. If you bundle them up into one big release every few months, your validation data will lose a lot of accuracy and granularity. Releasing often allows for feature implementation feedback. You can learn very quickly how well the release feature solves the problem it's supposed to solve. Since you've delivered a single feature, you'll be able to attribute any unexpected side effects to your release. Like many client-side error monitoring tools can assign a suspect release to every new error they encounter, making an educated guess as to which deployment might be responsible for a newly encountered error. Releasing often allows your product to evolve progressively. No change will ever make a customer think that everything has changed. Customers get used to your release cadence and they will have a much easier time integrating small changes into their workflows. Don't forget to keep your documentation and standard operating procedures up to date either. For engineers, it's a lot of fun to build and a great joy to see customers use newly released features. 
the part where you take new screenshots for your knowledge base and write new step-by-step guides for your operations manual may not be as exciting. But those steps, when taken routinely, will make sure your business runs on as much automation and documentation as possible, which will make it more sellable in the future. Let's talk about releasing early. When I released a feature of Feedback Panda that would allow our teachers to share their feedback templates with each other, I released a crude version that took me two days to build. It worked only for one of the schools we supported. It had a very basic interface and all our customers could do was find a share template and import it into their database. This feature eventually turned into what we called the Feedback Panda Cloud. After we released the feature, our most adventurous customers started using it and they reached out with both positive and negative feedback. They explained at which points in their workflow they found this feature to be an improvement and where it confused them. A day later, I addressed many of these initial concerns. The next iteration of the feature happened a good week later. In the meantime, I deployed several bug fixes and small improvements to other more integral parts of the product, some of which were related to the interface components used in the sharing feature. Releasing early prevents vertical over-engineering. You won't work on one feature for too long. After you release a feature, you're free to work on something else. Not focusing on one feature for too long prevents going down rabbit holes, which is a big concern for many solo founders. Also, make your features very succinct. By releasing when features are just a few days old, you will effectively be releasing MVP versions of individual features. You won't have months to fiddle with irrelevant details if your feature needs to be good enough within three days. Releasing early allows for feature integration feedback. Your customers can tell you very quickly how well the feature fits into the existing workflow. This is great because every feature you release will need to be tweaked in some way eventually. Since you want to provide the maximum amount of value to all of your customers as fast as possible, getting valuable feedback early in the lifetime of a feature is a significant advantage. If you work for months on a feature only to find out that you misunderstood the nature of your customer's problems, this is a month wasted. If you can find out after working on the feature for just four days, you just save yourself three weeks. That's why releasing early is important. It frees up time for other equally or even more critical opportunities of creating value for your customers. Releasing early allows for features to evolve progressively. You will make small changes to your features over time, responding to real-world usage and customer requirements. No battle plan ever survives contact with the enemy, and as much of an expert you might be as a founder, the expert of what your customers need will always be your customers themselves. So iterating your features is a good practice because you'll need to make changes anyway either from customer feedback you receive or when you learn something new about their workflow, the chance that you can release a feature once and never touch it is very slim. And the changing nature of both your business and the needs of your customers will make you revisit your product very often. If a feature is lacking a critical component, you will learn about this quickly. In the case of our Feedback Panda Cloud, people requested a way to edit templates before importing them into their own database. Since I had started building the feature with a skeleton functionality, I could easily add this additional usage case. 
it is not just customer requirements that make this progressive approach attractive. In some cases, your features don't need to be fully fledged because it doesn't yet make sense for your business. When I integrated a subscription payment into a Feedback Panda, all I needed for the first couple of weeks was a way for people to subscribe. The first public version of our service had a subscribe button only. There was no option to cancel or upgrade a subscription or downgrade a subscription. Customers had to reach out through our customer service channels if they wanted something like this. Only after a few dozen customers had expressed a need for specific functionality, I would implement it and release it. Bit by bit, plan upgrades and downgrades and cancellation and invoice-related functions appeared in our product. I only ever implemented these features when it started taking too long to solve these tasks manually. Let's talk about releasing safely now. When I released a feature that was supposed to show every customer a few statistics about their usage of our product, I didn't think that it would impact our service much. It was one of these features. You just built and you put it out there. After all, what were a few additional requests to the database? But all of a sudden, my monitoring tools started bombarding me with notifications. My phone rang from the robocalls that I'd set up when our system became unresponsive. It was chaotic. So what had happened? It turned out that while I tested my statistic collection logic on my local computer and a test account with a few dozen items in the database, the performance requirements of the database queries increased exponentially with the amount of data in the customer's database. All of a sudden, hundreds of teachers with tens of thousands of items in their database were refreshing their websites, triggering an unstoppable avalanche of requests to the database, which promptly locked up and didn't respond to requests anymore. Our service went down, and when it returned, the renewed onslaught of database queries caused it to break down again, like it did not stop. I immediately understood what was causing these performance issues, luckily, I guess. I had to turn back time. I had to get the service back up and try to keep the downtime as short as possible. The downtime lasted for not even two minutes because I had foreseen something like this happening at some point in the future, and I had designed our release infrastructure to allow for instant rollbacks. With one command, the previous version of a software that didn't contain the statistics feature was switched back on, all traffic was routed to that instance, and within a few seconds, the database had enough breathing room to start working correctly again. By learning, never release something you can't roll back. You can't know for sure that your code is entirely error-free. In particular, when unexpected user behavior turns a benign feature into a source-blocking monster, you will need to get back to the last version of the service that actually worked. The more automated this process, the better. In a situation like I just described, doing this manually would have been chaotic. I, it would have been crazy. Three main things are also important to create a system capable of automated rollbacks. And these are artifacts, versioning, and bidirectional migrations. So let's talk about these. Package your releases into easy-to-deploy artifacts. An artifact is a bundle, a package that can be easily copied and run on the server, either as some sort of executable or as a container that systems like orchestration systems um, like Kubernetes can manage. The idea here is that everything is well-specified and you don't need to move files or assets around. Usually, this involves a build process where your whole application gets compiled optimized and packed up so that the final artifact can be created. Artifacts are usually impotent with the sources that created them. Compiling your artifact from the same code twice will result in the exact same artifact. 
That means that if you want to roll back your service to the prior version, you don't need to do any compilation again. You can just reactivate the previous artifact. And that was the thing that helped us in the situation where we could just switch back. Another thing was versioning your release artifacts. That's really important too. You can reliably roll back to a version that worked if it has an easily discerned version number. If you just released version 1.2.5 of your service and it breaks all of a sudden, you know that activating version 1.2.4 will get your system back to stability. Versioning is a peace of mind activity and many orchestration systems require it to distinguish artifacts, so you should be doing it anyway. Another point that is often forgotten and leads to extremely catastrophic situations is database migrations and not being prepared to roll them back. You want to synchronize your database using bidirectional migrations. Imagine you have to make a change to your database with a release. You need to change the name of an important field in your user or accounts table that's related to your authentication flow. Your release goes through, changes the name of the field through the migration that you use, and minutes later, you need to roll back the service to a prior version. If you do not have a way to revert the change you just did in your database, likely your service won't even start. You'll have to frantically correct the change manually in the database under stress, which can lead to errors that you might not be able to recover from. Having migration logic in place that can go both ways is a way to make release, releasing database-related changes a very safe endeavor. Luckily, many web development frameworks like Ruby on Rails or Elixir Phoenix, which I've been using, have this feature built in, but you need to know how to use it. Making bidirectional migrations a part of your release flow from the start will save you a lot of potential trouble later down the road. And you also need to automate this whole process. You will benefit immensely from removing manual steps from the release process. Continuous integration, the concept of automating builds and tests, makes releasing extremely easy and manageable. This level of automation that makes your business more, um, it also makes your business more sellable. Right? If you're a developer that you hire or the one that replaces you after you sold the company maybe, can release a new version of the software at the push of a button, this will net you a premium when your business gets acquired. To be blunt, an automated process removes the one component that might mess up more than anything else, and that's you. If you're required to execute steps manually, you might forget important parts and risk bringing down your whole service with a botched release. And an automated build system allows you to have sanity and integrity checks stopping any dysfunctional artifacts or even pre-artifact stages from ever reaching your production system. It's just one less thing to think about. Release when it's a good time. I, I learned that too. Don't release at the time of day when most of your customers are using the product at the same time. Often there are a few times a day when your traffic is lowest and those are accident release time windows. There's this whole saying called don't release on Fridays, which is famous in the industry as any corrective work will bleed into your weekends and won't make you need to work on the weekend. Make sure you have the time to potentially roll back or hotfix your release. Don't release just before you go to bed. Don't release on a Friday if you have weekend plans. Just release also when it's a good time for you and your customers, which is kind of hard. And I get that in a world where many SaaS services are global or at least have a global audience, but you can still find those kind of times of day when releasing is a good idea. Also, consider slow rollouts and using feature flags. 
This might be an advanced approach to releasing, as you will likely not need this for the first few versions of your product, but it makes sense to at least consider building feature toggles into your product, a way for you to activate and deactivate access to certain features for your customers. Feature toggles will allow you to tie functionality to subscription levels eventually, and it will also give you a way to deal with emergency performance issues. I would have loved just to turn off the statistics feature that caused my database to break down instead having to roll back the release, but I didn't have feature toggles built into the system at that point. Slowly rolling out the new version to your customers instead of just releasing it to all of them at the same time would also have given me a much less stressful time figuring out the performance issues. I started implementing these things shortly after having experienced the statistics fiasco. So I learned from that, but it took this kind of experience for me to get there. Let's talk about releasing and TMI, I guess. Like how much do you make public about your release process, about your versions and these kind of things? While we looked at releasing from the engineering side until right now, let's fin finish with the customer facing perspective. Your customers can find out you release something through two means. They either stumble upon it in your product by just using it, or you communicate the change to them in some way. For many small changes, you won't even need to inform your users. If you were to tell them every single day that you moved the button a few pixels to the right or added an image to a block of text, they would soon feel overwhelmed. Save your announcements for the significant, impactful features that you want your customers to be aware of. Blog posts and newsletters are a great place to communicate those. While product update information has a push character as you inform your customers directly, you also have the option of a pull source of release update information. Offer a change log. Change logs can be shown to customers in the shape of a notification button that they can click to see what has changed recently. For technical audiences, that makes a lot of sense. For others, it only works when the information is info informative and helpful and instructive in some way. Many customers only care about things that will affect them directly. Don't spam them with the minutia of your product development. They don't care. In the end, they all don't have the attention span to read up on all of your many changes. They use your product to solve their critical problems. They don't use your product to see how well you release, right? So a good approach to releasing allows for that, and it will make sure they continue to be able to use your solution to have one last obstacle in their day. So finally, let's talk about how to get a simple but effective release management system in place. And it's important to understand that your requirements for release management will vary wildly on the fidelity of your software. For example, if you run a SaaS with a web app, a mobile app, and some substantial background computing, you will likely need to release the backend and the frontend code and artifacts separately, involving a lot of automation very early in your product's life. If you run a web-based SaaS without any extra fluff, you will likely be able to set up a simple release pipeline and be okay with it for a long time, just releasing everything at the same time. As long as your setup allows you to release early and often, you're fine. The moment you notice yourself doing something that can be automated, just integrate it into your release management system. When I started developing Feedback Panda, I ran the prototype locally on my development machine until it had all the necessary functionality. Very quickly, I containerized the application using Docker because that allowed me to fix 
the versions of all included libraries and runtimes in place, making builds more testable and reproducible. In the beginning, I had all the configuration hard-coded into the application itself. There was only my local database and all the API keys for the service were unchangeable once the build was running. This was fine for development, but it was keeping me from deploying the software to the public, making the configuration part more flexible took some time. And it also meant that certain adjustments needed to be in the code for the application to be able to inject these kind of secrets, like the database username and passwords into the application from outside of the container. But the extra effort paid off as Docker containers can be run on any cloud provider that supports Containerd, the library and underlying framework, which any major player does in the space, like Amazon, Google, Microsoft, they all have Docker-based orchestration systems. And that gave me a lot of options when it came to picking a hosting provider. I would still build the Docker images locally on my development machine and upload them to a container registry this was fine until I was working from a place with very low bandwidth and a shaky connectivity somewhere in the rural Canada. At that point, uploading a Docker image could take more than an hour, which was an eternity when I wanted to deploy a hotfix and a bug fix that had just appeared in production. Very quickly, I automated a way to build step into a cloud build service, which both made it faster and less dependent on me being connected to a high bandwidth line to deploy. Since then, I've pushed a few new releases from moving cars and trains and even airplanes because everything was automated away in the cloud. So build a release automation that enables you to release whatever you need, whenever you want it, and always allowing you to revert it to the last working version. It's very important to be able to, to roll back. So let me talk a bit about my own experiences with releasing in the businesses that I've been part of, both my startup experience and my, let's call it corporate software engineering experience, because there's a lot of difference in these places, right? There's a lot of different methodologies and groups are different, teams have different sizes. I remember, and I talked about this in the article in the beginning, from one of the first jobs I had with this VC-funded startup in Silicon Valley that I worked for remotely, we were building a gigantic product for lots of people and there was a lot of developers involved, which was just a lot of engineering. And we did release a lot, but we also had a number of feature sets that we built at the same time. So there was um, a giant feature set that we built once that had changes that would impact all kinds of parts of the application. It was a big infrastructure change kind of late in the lifetime of the application. And it took us months to build and every developer kind of built their own little thing on their development branches. And when it came time to actually merge this into what was then the currently running production version, it took us a few months to actually merge all the branches. Because we had released a lot of changes in the meantime that were not in the developer branches yet, because we didn't have a good branching model, I guess. And we had to reintegrate all the changes that had happened in the meantime into the de developer branches and then kind of merge them all together. It was a lot of work. So try to scope your features 
so that you can release them and not impact other things much. Or if you do, still release it and deal with the impact at that point in time. Don't wait for later because that would just take ages to get everything back together. It was, it was a lot of work. In other startups, and I think this is the flip side of this, I just released whenever I felt like it or the team that it was always a small team. So we really didn't have any structure there. And we released whenever things were ready. There was no real cadence. Sometimes we released many times a day. Sometimes we didn't release for weeks. It was just completely random. It worked pretty well, but it never became any kind of habitual or routine thing, right? There was never structure to this. And there was no release automation either, which in retrospect is very unsafe. Because in small startups, and I think this is particularly true for bootstrap startups and solopreneur-based businesses, the bus factor is extremely high. Bus factor being like, what would happen to your business if you were hit by a bus today and if you were to perish, right? Who would be able to take over? Would this still run? Would your family still be supported? Would the business still go? And I was the only one who knew the secrets to releasing and the secrets to even the code base, all these kind of things. So the bus factor was very high. With me gone, the business would have faltered. And that is just super dangerous. So the, the way to deal with this, obviously, is to build automation, build documentation, and build process that other people can follow. Right? They want that in your business for the reason of it continuing to be um, operational. It's important to understand that if you're the only person who could deal with something, if you were lying in bed with a high fever, you won't really be able to do this, right? There, there, there will be days where you can get up and work even if you're sick, but there might be days when you're not. So you want to be able to have a system in place that somebody else can take over. And at Feedback Panda, we kind of culminated the learnings of this into a system that actually worked pretty well. And we released very quickly after building something that was good enough to be released and then continued to iterate on it over the next couple of days, releasing either every day or every few days just to get the bug fixes out and to make sure that the feature was excellent at some point. But I was always trying to push stuff out as soon as I could. We rolled back changes that bombed with customers. That is also important. Or when there was performance issues, like the statistics thing I just mentioned, which is no problem because first off, we had the system in place to roll back. And change was so gradual because we released all the time that people barely noticed if there was something new that wasn't like a big feature. So if there was a problem with this, we could just roll it back and people would have been none the wiser because they didn't really get used to it yet because there was small changes all over the place. I guess gradual change is very, very important if you want to minimize the impact that a change like this of release of a feature has on your customers. And one thing, I think I'm going to close with this because it's something that I don't see founders do much. I had a friend who's a sysadmin and obviously he was not in the business, but he knew of the business. And I invited him into the operational components of our um, system as a, as a system administrator. So in case I was not able to deal with it, he could go in and triage if there was any problem. So I was trying to actively limiting uh, be limiting the, the bus factor problem that I had in these previous businesses where I was the, the only employee, the only person who could even get in there. This is a question of trust. This is a question of finding somebody either 
to actually pay and be on a retainer for these kind of moments, which hopefully never happen, but you'll be very, very sorry if they do and you're not prepared. And it's, it's an issue of thinking about how to make yourself replaceable and how to make the work you do replaceable in a sense that other people can take it over. So when it comes to releasing, I think releasing safely is the most important thing for your, the actual existence of your business because it can do a lot of damage if it goes wrong. Releasing early and releasing often are important for the quality of the product and the actual sustainability of the business because you need to react to things. You need to make sure you don't go down those rabbit holes that kind of get you stuck for weeks on something that's not even important. So safely, early, and often, I think if you take care to do all these things when it comes to releasing, you'll be doing a great job and your business will thank you for it. And I will thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Avid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me and the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever you subscribe to the podcast. It'll help other founders or founders-to-be to find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.